Welcome everybody to the September 24th, 2020 QPSC. Uh, as a reminder to the public in light of COVID-19 and in accordance with government health and safety regulations calling for social distancing, this meeting is being conducted again in virtual format. There is no public uh, meeting space associated with this meeting. A couple of things uh, as per our convention, uh, we'll, we'll follow up with roll call immediately after this. We do have a quorum and a reminder that our convention is to move directly into closed session. And, and that's where we discuss confidential matters associated with the medical staff, accreditation or risk management. So if you're not directly related with one of those discussions, we ask you to rejoin us during the open session. I'm anticipating close to be ballpark 20 to 30 minutes, probably on the closer to 30 minute side, I, I, I think. So in consideration of Zoom logistics and this closed session agenda, our choreography will be to invite all the people for uh, item A1, which is our uh, uh, credentialing report. That will be uh, the chief of staff, uh, Dr. Pyun, uh, for Alameda Hospital. And we do have a chief of staff committee for the core. And Dr. Ingenio, if he's present, who's representing the San Leandro Leadership Committee. After that, we'll go into a case review and invite subject matter experts uh, related to that. Uh, so with that, I'll open up with a uh, roll call, please. Trustee Bouquet. Present. Trustee Shequin. Here. Trustee Hernandez. Here. We have a quorum. Thank you. So uh, to the audience, thank you. We're going to go into closed session for about 30 minutes. And uh, Mike will do his magic and engineer getting the right people in uh, for each session. Yeah, so first I'll just <clears throat> state that the uh, closed session is for the items as set forth in the agenda. Everyone, welcome back. We just uh, came out of closed session. Welcome back to the September 24th, 2020 QPSC for those of you who weren't uh, there at roll call. Uh, we just closed closed session. We'll now go into item B, which is the consent agenda. From the trustees, may I entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda? So moved. And that is that a, is that a second, Trustee Shaquin? A second. <laughs> okay, got it. So uh, we have um, uh, just a couple of items there, which are our um, minutes, privilege forms, and boy, that was a lot of policies and procedures uh, to be reading through. That was 31 system policies and procedures, uh, five from Highlands, two from San Leandro, none from John George, one from Alameda Hospital. Uh, yeah, that was a couple hundred pages of reading. Uh, any other comments uh, from the trustees with regard to the consent agenda item, items B1 and B2 and B3? None? Uh, all in favor of approving the consent agenda? Aye. Aye. Opposed? None. Abstentions? None. All right. With that, we will close item B, moving back in time. So this, we will go to item C now. This is QPSC chair. Uh, as you know, this is our book club uh, that we try to do, our learning uh, opportunity. The article I chose uh, uh, for today was Engaging Health System Board of Trustees in Quality and Safety, Six Must-Know Guidelines. Uh, I, I, I would submit that this is uh, kind of the essential reading that all board members, not just QPSC members, should read. And I hope uh, Dr. Hussein appreciates these when I keep sending out these kind of learning documents. Um, uh, I'm going to give the, the, the brief summary on what, what, what I gleaned from this uh, with a couple of quotes as I like to do. 
Number one, in 2004, the National Quality Forum strongly encouraged, quote, hospital governing boards to become actively engaged in quality improvement to place emphasis on the relationship between governance and quality of care. I, I think we, we try to do that here in the Quality Committee, but man, it's a journey that we're still trying to strive for. Uh, I think we certainly have opportunity here. Uh, I'll note with regard to the Board of Trustees, there, there are eight of us and um, on the Board of Trustees. There are five Board of Trustees members on the Finance Committee. There are three members uh, of the Board of Trustees in this Quality Committee. And, and, and I, I submit to you that, that all trustees need to be engaged in, in, in quality. And that'll bring me to the, the next quote. Um, in 2006, the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, for those of uh, uh, us who play in the quality game, uh, 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 you know, it's sort of the mecca, the IHI. The IHI set the expectation that boards, quote, select and review progress towards safer care as a first agenda item at every board meeting, grounded in transparency and putting a human face on harm data. Further, they asserted that hospital boards, including non-clinical volunteer trustees, have a fiduciary responsibility to ensure high quality clin clinical outcomes in their hospitals. So again, I'll submit to the trustees who aren't in the room. <laughs> Uh, I, I know the two trustees here, are, so we're sort of preaching to the choir. I, I, I see this as a as a full board uh, engagement, and boy, it would be better, uh, I believe, if we had more trustees uh, sitting in the room to hear about what we're trying to do here. There are six guidelines which which came forth, and I'm just going to quick quickly go through this to close out this agenda item. And these were just sort of recommendations, and I'm happy to report as I go through that checklist. I think we're, we're, we're doing a, a lot of work uh, uh, in this vein. So first, um, emphasize quality and patient safety goals. And, and it says use the STEEP format. Um, uh, anyone who's been in these meetings for the past three years knows that I'm a big fan of STEEP. I actually come to the place where I sometimes people eye roll when I start talking about STEEP, which is a little bit funny. STEEP isn't mine. <laughs> I, I just saw a piece of wisdom in the quality literature and they do it. I still think that our organization has an opportunity to make steep the way in which we think about quality. We're, we're, it, it's sort of a little bit of a footnote using steep format in our current uh, submission from the quality team. Uh, it's still under the old pillars, which were developed in 2010 or 11, uh, you know, access and quality. I think we have an opportunity to make steep the thing and again, I want to emphasize, I didn't make up steep. I'm just reporting what, what, what experts in the field do it. I want to paraphrase a quote from uh, Einstein, or it's attributed to Einstein. And he said, not everything that matters can be measured and not everything that can be, that, uh, and not everything can be measured matters. Uh, so finding the right, the right things to pick, I think is, is something important. Uh, Sometimes we pick data just because we know we can get that piece of data. And I think in, as we go towards our evolution, finding the, 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 the metrics that actually matter are, are gonna be important ones. Uh, and also appreciating there aren't metrics for some of the things that matter. Number two uh, on their suggestions, leverage the National Quality Forum endorsed measures. I actually didn't know about this and I'm gonna ask Dr. Hussein to comment 
the National Quality Forum does not develop its own measures. It actually capitalizes on the work of others like CMS and the Joint Commission and endorses them. So, uh, Dr. Hussein, I actually don't know the answer. Do we do this? Yes, so the NQF, and um, I don't know if Annette's on the call, who is also an expert uh, and more of an expert than I am, but the National Quality Forum is one of those, as you were saying, sort of coalitions that vet quality measures. Um, it's rare that CMS uh, selects measures in terms of public reporting that have not also been vetted by NQF. So many of the measures that you see on our True North metric dashboard that we've purposely modeled after public reporting measures um, have been vetted by NQF. Um, and actually, um, as you know, we have been uh, reluctant, um, and I think in a good way, to not veer from those nationally set definitions so that we can externally benchmark ourselves. Um, and that is, again, in keeping with the way that the NQF would want uh, the measure specs um, and measurements to occur. Um, and then on the, so that actually encompasses most of our uh, QPSC True North metrics. Um, in regards to, for example, QIP and Prime, now we're moving, we're in QIP 3.5 and we'll be moving into QIP 4.0 uh, starting on January 1st. Um, um, actually, at the state level, there's been a lot of di dialogue between um, uh, DPHS and CMS to move from um, homegrown measures at the state level to those that also align more with a nationally ones vetted from NQF. Um, so uh, the answer to that is yes, I am. I am uh, by endorsing um, publicly reported metrics on our True North uh, metric uh, dashboard. We are actually. Uh, and not changing the definitions, we are abiding by many NQF recommendations. Thank you, Dr. Hussain. Number three, use benchmarking and risk adjustment to select targets. Not, uh, uh, again, not all measures have a men meaningful benchmark. A true benchmark looks at top performers and understands how their process actually led them to the outstanding outcomes. Healthcare providers often simply look at performance metrics. We all look at metrics, we just look at the metrics for the goal and we sometimes don't, we're not attentive to breaking down the process which uh, which prompted uh, changes to achieve a better outcome. So I, I'm happy to report that I, I it is my impression that, that our quality team uh, is very thoughtful on dissecting the, the why of why we, we don't hit measures or why we have an RCA and the like, but I've just wanted to remind us about how we should probably you'd be doing it and I, and I and I and I think that we are going in that direction any comment on this issue all right dr. Zane um, my only comment is um, you know um, and we talked about this during sort of the uh, what our fiscal year 21 true North metric dashboard would look like um, now that we do have you know a robust electronic health record it is one of the areas that um, I want to see us, you know, in a more formal structured fashion, report out those process measures. Um, so um, um, it is one of the priorities uh, for me and my team to do that in a more structured fashion. Um, um, we do it in our narratives, but it'll be good to provide you some structured data around that. And I'm also, uh, you know, I think we're getting a step closer in terms of our disparities equity discussion by doing some of that as well. Great. Thank you. So I, I, I see that as another positive. N number four, access data beyond the EHR. You just made mention, boy, uh, Epic has given us a view into things that we couldn't see before, but I think it would be uh, 
I think it would be short-sighted for us to think that all the data is only out of the EMR. I again would say that I think our organization is striving to do this. Some of this is human dialogue and discussion and analysis data, which actually happens at QRC levels, at IPPC levels, and of course through the quality committee. So I'll sort of leave that one alone. I, I think we are well aware that 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 Epic doesn't give us everything. So uh, so I'll put a check on that. Next is number five is provide data and information for multiple organization levels. Uh, here we focus on TNM, our True North metrics. We should also strive to understand the outcomes improvement strategies, and especially when we are falling short of goals. And 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 again, I, I think that's exactly what we're trying to do. You know, there's a there's we have this fancy TNM dashboard that, that we keep working on, and there's a there's a nice narrative in there. Annette Johnson has put in a lot of great comment, and I'm, she actually. I'm very happy she gets more space to talk about that today because some of the moves that we're making. So I, I do think that we work it at multiple levels. I, I, could we make it better? Uh, is, there, is there a way to, to, to uh, allow the, the trustees to say, hey, I want to look one level down. We're, we're not there where we can just turn on a button yet. But I, I think that uh, I think we are being, we as an organization are being thoughtful about that. Um, Last uh, of the six is develop a board specific measurement and presentation strategy. So I guess this is to our administrative staff. Quote, leadership must present healthcare information clearly so that the board understands performance against meaningful targets, but also in a way that empowers the board, even a lay board, to raise tough questions about opportunities for improvement. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that we continue to have self-education because it starts with education. A lot of this stuff is is complex and murky and deep. And we just came out of a closed session where we had to have some discussions on in this line. I think the quality team does a very good, uh, makes a, does a very good job of trying to slow it down and help us understand kind of the crux of the problem. So, so those are the six items It's available for you in your document. And I'm, I'm proud to say that, that I think we're, we're, our feet are pointed in the right direction in regard to many of those items. Trustee Hernandez. Yeah, I, I found this very compelling as well. And one thing that I've suggested in the past, and I think that we um, should take some time occasionally to review, is the patient experience from the patient's point of view. And I'm not sure that we do enough of what I call, you know, um, looking at mission moments when we can hear about <clears throat> events or circumstances that our patients encounter that allow us to you know, shine forth the excellent quality of work that we do, or to hear from patients where um, there's an opportunity gap. And you know, it takes a lot of time to do that. There's confidentiality issues at play, but if we can leverage our patient advisory councils or patient experience councils as they're starting to emerge in the future, um, I would think that that is another source of important information. Um, you know, given what we're learning about what can happen um, as we, you know, expand services or change services, I, I just don't want us to forget that sometimes the data just is a number and we need to see, you know, what is this doing for people? What is this doing for the real people that we serve? Great, great comment. Trustee Shaquin, any comments? 
Yeah, I would just really echo that. I was thinking in the same vein. Thank you, Trustee Hernandez. Um, and and uh, I would add to that the overlap with uh, the finances. And I was going to mention that I think it's the popularity of the chair. That's why there's so many. <laughs> it must be. That's hardly it, I'm sure. Um, I, the point I wanted to make about the overlap of quality and finance, um, and it's you know really clear and steep um, around efficiency. You know, I I, I kind of have this. Well, I'll make it no longer a secret opinion. I, I think a billion-dollar uh, budget is probably enough to do a lot of really good in the community, and we, we do. I bet you we could do it all and, and actually not be under financial uh, stress because uh, it's an awful lot of money. Matter of fact, I looked it up. There's six small nations that have smaller GD, GDPs than this system uh, as a way to think about it. Um, but at any rate, the point I wanted to make is that just like uh, our commitment on EPIC, we really need to gather better analytics around the cost effectiveness of some of our interventions so that we can make decisions at the governance level about um, what we're spending money on and, and maybe make changes um, accordingly. Because uh, it's clear that we do have programs that are losing a lot of money, and there are other interventions that wouldn't lose as much money and would bring the sort, same sort of benefit or, or even greater benefit in some instances to the um, underserved population that we're really focused on here in the county. So I, um, this is a challenging area for us because, you know, the other, thing, other point I would make around uh, finances is that every time you uh, don't spend a dollar efficiently, you're taking it away from something, and likely we're taking away sometimes from quality. Um, I, you know, I just very, like to very likely. Yeah, I think very likely we're doing that. So um, I, I think it's important that we keep that in mind when we face tough financial decisions. So it's actually, uh, you know, we could do nothing, which uh, there's been a lot of that over the years, I think, in, in, in this institution. And that equates to, um, you know, when I look at what we spend on uh, capital, I see a lot of deferred maintenance, which concerns me in terms of what that means in terms of quality and potential, uh, even worse than that, potential incidents of, of failure uh, related to uh, physical plant. So those are just some thoughts I had in terms of the overlap of quality and, um, you know, needing to measure the financial alongside the quality fund. Uh, thank you, Trustee Shaquin. I'm going to ask you to uh, 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 continue that in in item E when we go to that, and what, what, which we'll go to that. So I'm going to actually close out um, th this this section, item C, the chair's report, and we'll mo move into item D. So everyone, thank you for that dialogue. Item D is the medical staff reports. So for our, our chief of staff committee, this is just a kind of a hard stop uh, within the quality committee to to give you a voice if you need to say anything. But I want to, because none of you have been here before, give you the history. This usually used to, was a much more expansive item in, in history. 
And then we ended up saying uh, at the full board meeting where you also have an agenda item, oh, we just talked about that in the quality committee. So so, so the, the move was to move your this agenda item, your, uh, if you will, your big stage is on the full board meeting, which will happen this evening, of course. And you also have an agendized item. So this is a little bit redundant, but I promise to keep it here in, in case there was something that you felt like you needed to put just for the quality committee and not for all the trustees. So with that, uh, uh, Chief of Staff Committee, uh, anything uh, for the item D medical staff reports? Or um, you can just say as submitted. Yeah, um, as submitted, I just wanted to, we we actually added our names to introduce ourselves to the Board of Trustees, so. So, so let, let, let's actually do that. I don't know if everyone's in here. So I see three of the five, is Nikki still here? So, so uh, Brandon, will you introduce yourself to the trustees? Yeah, so I'm Brandon Batch, uh, Division Chief for Hospital Medicine at Highland Hospital. How long have you been here? Oh, over 10 years, I trained here. Okay. So 10 years, over 10 years. Got it. Uh, next, playing Legos here. I see Dr. Ng is two below him. Dr. Ng, will you tell the board about yourself? I'm Valerie Ng, I'm trying to eat my lunch at four o'clock. I apologize if I have salad in my teeth. Um, I'm the chair of pathology. I've been here since July 1, 2005. I was chief of staff from 2008 to 2010. Got it. Um, next, I'll go to the left. Um, Dr. Smith, if you'll introduce yourself to this, uh, to the QPSC. Happy to do so. Hello all, I am Kevin Smith. I'm the chair of the OBGYN department. and have been since February of, or January, I think, of last year. Uh, when I arrived from Washington, D.C. Ten years before that, I was here in uh, Oakland, had a private practice at one point and a multi-specialty practice at another uh, and trained locally here in the Bay. Okay. Welcome, Dr. Smith. Dr. Joshi. Yes. Hi, I'm Dr. Joshi, Nikita Joshi. I'm the medical director of the emergency department at Alameda Hospital. Nikki, how long have you been in the system? I've been here since 2018, and before that, I was at Stanford for about five years. Excellent. Uh, Dr. Joshi and I share the office at Alameda Hospital, so we get started. Dr. Pyun, will you introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I don't know if you can hear me. We can. I'm having some. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a hospitalist at Alameda Hospital, and I've been with this and with Alameda Hospital since 2006, before the affiliation. I've been a hospitalist since uh, 1998, and uh, I've worked in various uh, hospitals. Um, I've actually worked on almost every campus, actually every single campus at, at AHS through my residency there. I did. High, I worked at Highland, and I worked at Fairmont. John, jo I work at John George Fairmont and uh, San Leandro currently. So. I think I'm one of the few people who could say that they've touched almost every, every single uh, campus, and I know how things kind of run everywhere. So that's uh, something I uh, I could I could say that's a little bit unusual uh, compared to a lot of other people. But uh, yeah, thank you, thank you, Kathy. Is Dr. Yasumoto? He's the fifth member of the chief of staff. Is Dr. Yasumoto? Are you yes. on? Oh, I'm here. Hi, Eric Yasumoto. I'm the chair of radiology. I've been here since 2008 and been the chair since about 2010. Welcome, Eric. Eric and I came to Highland at the same year, uh, so it's been a little while. So thank you for everybody. That was basically the medical 
uh, uh, and as you guys know, a medical staff report is submitted for our review. Trustees, do you have any questions for the report as written from the from the uh, chiefs of staff from Alameda Hospital and the core? I didn't have any. Okay. Um, with that, we'll close out item D. And again, I'm going to remind the, the chief of staff representation you have a you have a hard agenda item at the full board meeting. It's usually I think item C or something like that. Um, with that, we'll go into item E. Uh, this was entitled Re-Engineering the QPSC Reporting. I'll have uh, Louis and Luis uh, back me up on this one. There, there is a little bit of history here. Historically, uh, uh, the, the strategic business units, everyone remembers that we, we our, our, our system has organized around strategic, strategic business units, ambulatory, acute, post-acute behavioral health. The, the SBUs gave reports within the confines of the QPSC. Um, uh, we've been now for years having dialogues about trying to build that interface between finance slash operations and quality. And our good uh, chair of the, the finance committee for the trustees uh, 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 was very happy to join us and I was happy to join the finance committee. So we have a little bit of interplay there. And, and our chief operating officer actually uh, made a proposal to both of us to, in, in I think in that same vein, to, 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 to help the finance committee, which again is five members versus our three. Wink, wink. Okay, going out there. They're not even here to hear it, so uh, I'll go after them later. Um, You're setting it up. Uh, uh, um, they, uh, our, our chief operating officer wanted to, to elevate quality within the kind of confines within the uh, operations discussion, which usually happened within the confines of the finance committee. So uh, he ran this by both um, uh, the chair of the finance committee and the chair of the quality committee, and it looked like a good idea. And like everything I say, why not give it a, let's give it a try. And then the other side of me always uh, wants to say, all right, that's a good plan. W what are the unintended consequences here? Um, Trustee Hernandez is the third member of the quality committee. You weren't deeply involved in these dialogues, Trustee Hernandez. So I wanna give you opportunity or anyone else opportunity to say, is there a reason to not migrate the SBU reports as, as proposed? to the finance committee where we're actually, Luis has act, will, will actually plug in quality relevant items for that finance report. Trustee Hernandez, do you have any, did, did I navigate that that okay? Uh, I, I think so. It's just, I, I think we always need to be careful that we're not missing the efficiencies yeah. of our programs. Yeah. So I don't wanna be completely blindsided to find out that there is a financial repercussion to a decision being made about changing how you know we serve a certain population, only to find out that that was fully vetted in finance, but not with us. It, that that's the delicate balance that I'm a little worried about. Yeah. But I trust that with five trustees on that committee, that they will also ask some quality questions. Um, so am I making sense? Just yeah, no, you're making perfect sense. Okay. And I think that that was the potential concern I had. And I, I think this is, I think my my response or retort to that would be, that's where we have five members there. And then there's a redundancy built in, in that, yeah. and that uh, Lewis and I sit on both committees. Um, and that's good. And yeah. I think we just need to be mindful again. And I know that Lewis is very, Trustee Chacon is very 
um, thoughtful in this regard. Um, you know, we can have an incredible program, and if it's breaking the bank, we need to know, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Fonseca, any comments here, sir? Yeah, thank thank you, uh, Trustee Bouquet. So I, I, again, just to further elaborate on what you were saying, and to to the point that uh, Trustee Hernandez is making, uh, you know, the the reason why I approached uh, Trustee Bouquet and Trustee Shaquin uh, essentially as the chairs of their respective committees, uh, not only the Quality Committee but also the Finance Committee. And so, uh, sometime you know, some time ago, uh, you know, there was a request to uh, develop an operations report, uh, understanding you know what was happening within. Uh, the front lines and within the care delivery of our all of the different areas of our system and so therefore the COO report was created as we have uh, continued to evolve as an organization and our CFO uh, Kim Miranda came on board she started making changes and adjustments to the finance report which it became much more detailed and more comprehensive really detailing exactly what was happening from a financial perspective uh, in the organization and across the entire system as such, I think the, the, the result of that was that the COO report essentially became a, a, a slightly different version of the same information that was being presented by the chief financial officer. Uh, so I, I asked the, the, at the time, I asked the finance committee uh, if they would be open to reevaluating uh, the, the COO report uh, and allowing me the opportunity to work with, uh, with our team here to determine how we could uh, create a, a structure and develop a new format that would bring greater value uh, to, to the trustees and provide you greater detail and information. In discussions with our SBU leaders, uh, which again, you know, uh, three of them, uh, Janet McKinnis uh, over our acute behavioral health, Richard Espinoza over our post-acute and Dr. Bavaria uh, on our uh, ambulatory, we met, we discussed, and we talked about this report that was being provided at QPSC could be further augmented. And then as you know, we were saying earlier, in continuing to draw in that intersection between quality and finance, we wanted to say, why don't we move it over to, fi uh, to finance uh, where we can not only share the same components that were being shared at QPSC, which include access, quality, and experience, but also supplement that with our workforce and sustainability, really capturing all of our pillars but diving into what's happening in the operations themselves. Also, another benefit from that we were thinking was that that would then free up some very valuable time in this committee that would allow us to continue to have more detailed and, and robust dialogue in our patient safety, quality, and regulatory aspects. Uh, and historically, in many, and I would say in the last couple of years, uh, we oftentimes find ourselves, because of great dialogue and things that are happening, find ourselves oftentimes rushing through some of those uh, reports that are provided by Tambir's team, Darshan and others, that, uh, you know, again, this really allows us to move that report to the Finance Committee. It provides a different forum. It continues to draw in this intersection between finance and quality, and then it allows us to, in this committee, really focus and dive in and spend some very uh, meaningful time in, in reviewing patient safety, quality, and regulatory. And so that was the thought process. And so in my discussions with Trustee Shaquin and uh, Trustee Bouquet, um, you know, we felt, well, let's give it a shot and, and uh, we can do so. And, and, and as with anything else, we can always revisit. Uh, but, uh, you know, we had a, a report, our first report out earlier this month uh, at the Finance Committee where uh, Janet McKinnis presented acute and behavioral health. Uh, the feedback that I got at that meeting uh, was was very positive, very favorable, uh, where we went into great detail about, you know, not only what's happening from a, 
uh, operations perspective, what we're doing from a quality perspective, staffing perspective, and how that all then translates to our finances and how we're moving forward as an organization. So um, the feedback was positive. Um, you know, we'll continue to track with that, but certainly uh, anything we need to present or share, uh, we're, we're happy to do so, uh, and we'll continue to fine tune as we move forward. Thanks, Luis. Uh, I, I, I think it's I think it's a worthwhile endeavor. Let's see if this can help help uh, kind of give that kind of integration between quality and finance. My, I guess my, uh, uh, I'm, I'm gonna ask bad things of people, which are our, our quality team. I think this this might be an additional meeting that you want might want to sit in because quality things are being discussed. Uh, so uh, it, it, I, I think that's a further integration of quality into finance and, and vice versa. Trustee and, Hernandez. And, and does finance meet for eight hours each time or what? <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully okay. not. <laughs> so uh, I agree with everything Louise said, and thank you for Trustee Shaquin's input on this. I think this does allow us a little bit more, uh, it frees up our time uh, from a math point of view. Um, the SBU reports were taken roughly 25% of the agenda uh, in terms of budgetary time. And I think uh, going forward, this will allow us to, if you will, re-engineer and reset. And, and one of the happy things that I'm about is I always feel like I'm ripping off uh, regulatory affairs and patient safety and 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 our TNM dashboard. So I'm going to be happy to slightly expand that. And then it allows us to get have a little bit more ad hoc time. Uh, maybe we would need to have a meeting and have a deep dive into foreign bodies in the OR. Maybe we need to have a, 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 a deeper dive on blank or on X or Y or Z. This allows us to forecast and then the quality team can go out and prepare that presentation on questions that we've had. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy about the flexibility it affords and I'm mindful about the potential um, for, for, uh, for not looking over uh, the, qual that, the quality for the respective SBUs like we have been. So I think it's worth, worth trying. Trustees, okay. Let's give it a try. I mean, do we reserve the right to <laughs> cancel this idea if it isn't working? I mean, I, well, I, always. yeah, yeah I, I'm going to assume that we should try it out for um, several quarters and then uh, come back and assess. I think that that would be the wise thing to do. I, I, I agree. Let's, let, let, let's, uh, so for the minutes, uh, uh, Rana, I'll say let, let's let's reassess this at the top of the new calendar year, and and see whether that works. Is does that is that fair, Luis? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I'll commit to have that done in finance too, because obviously that's where the bulk of the conversation is at. So let's make sure it's working there as well. Yeah. Yes, sir. And evaluate, and we also just watch. You know, the dynamic of the board could change over time. Right. There could because of your great personality, there could be a whole slew of trustees wanting to join Paul. Yeah, right. I do have a question, though, about our meeting. And uh, not that I want to create more time on Zoom than I already spend. I really feel like I'm Zoomed out many days. Mm -hmm. um, is there a reason why we chose to condense our time during this COVID-19? Uh, our meeting used to start at 2. It, it used to start at 2.30. 2.30, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 I was having discussion with Gassan and, and Mr. Finley about just trying to find efficiencies about some of these things. Okay. I consider this along the way of that evolution. And okay. like you said, Trustee Hernandez, 
it'll, we, 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 we can always be afforded to pull back if we need to. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm striving to make our meeting, uh, strike that balance between being efficient, getting what we need to be done, and then having kind of breathing space to talk about deep issues mm -hmm. if we can within this format. So Yeah, uh, I think it's really a tension. I, I just find a diminishing return at some point. It is, yeah. yeah. Uh, the only reason I'm asking is that it would, <laughs> just a thought, it may make sense to start at 2.30 so that you have half an hour between this meeting and the other because occasionally we do need that extra half hour yeah. and you rush and I feel badly for the issues of the day that got squunched into that amount of time. Yeah. Of course, you know, our, our meeting time can expand forever if we aren't disciplined, but the half hour in between this meeting and uh, our board meeting is just a, a consideration for you. Yeah. What's that maxim? The work expands to fill the time allotted. It is. It is. <laughs> so, so uh, I, I will reserve reserve that uh, that as an item for this ongoing reassessment yeah. of ourselves. Sure. And sure. I, I think that's a great comment. If that's sure. fair. Well, that, if, I could, if I could, if I could just say that uh, to your earlier point, as far as reevaluating and and it's, I guess for a lack of a better word, a pulse check on how this new process will work. Uh, I would ask that that maybe we give ourselves a little bit more time recognizing that we had our first uh, presentation, which again was somewhat of a of a high level. Uh, you know, we've made some refinements since our presentation here in yeah. September. Uh, you've got a meeting October, November, no meeting in December. Uh, so I, I, would, I would ask for a little bit more time to make sure that we, uh, you know, it, it, hopefully you won't look for the post pick in January. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. How, so, yeah. How about closing? How about after the first quarter of 2021? That's three more months. How about that? That sounds perfect. Okay, end of Q1 calendar. Got it. Is that fair, Luis? Luis? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. I support as well. Okay. Um, with, uh, and we'll make note of that. Luis is supported. Yes. <laughs> with that, we will close out item. Uh, we will close out item E, and we'll move into item F. And wow, we are on time. See if we get that time. So I, I'm actually really happy that I get to give time uh, to Nilda Perez and Darshan on this. I'm going to let you guys uh, uh, do the fight on how you divide your time. But we have about 20 minutes allocated uh, to this per particular agenda item. Um, dealer's choice on who goes first. I decided to go first. Was that you, Darshan? No, I think Nilda said first, uh, but that's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah, Nilda, where are you, Nilda? Certainly, thank you. Uh, oh, there you go. Got so it. So I, I think I want to just let everyone know that we have heard from the Joint Commission and that we are back in our server. We are now back on the go list for survey. I hope that you um, can appreciate that that means that there is a little bit of robust work <laughs> happening. We still have no final details on that survey process as we will have a conversation um, with um, our CEO and our CQO on Tuesday and have that discussion and find out more details, steps to come. So Nilda, to clarify for the trustees and everyone else in the room, they've notified us that they are now ready to come. So yes, that, that we are back on, we are in the go status. And that, that could theoretically be as early as Monday, is that correct? No, uh, we will be having our conversation with them on Tuesday. Oh, great. And then I would say after that conversation, we'll have a better idea. But theoretically, um, the likelihood is anywhere from one to two weeks within that immediately after that discussion. And, and, and to remind us and uh, uh, 
to everybody. They previously advised that this would be a, a, a three-day survey versus a five. Can you can you talk to me about details about that? Do they always arrive on a Monday? Question mark. Certainly, um, and it, we have been told that it would be a three-day survey. The first day would be focused on our Medicare conditions of participation, and then the remaining the following two days would be focused on the Joint Commission findings. Okay. Uh, do they come on a Monday or do they can come whenever oh, they want? I'm sorry, I apologize. Yeah, it's three days, so they, they would always come by, by Wednesday. So Monday, okay. Tuesday, Wednesday is when my team does the vigil, as we call it. They've got it. At o'clock every day, <laughs> looking for that notification. So if we don't hear anything by Wednesday of the week immediately following that conversation, then we are good for the remainder of that week, and then we will meet again the following Monday. No, no, I'll let you talk about whatever you want to talk about, and then we'll... Okay. Then, we'll pepper, then we'll pepper you with questions. <laughs> okay, so I just wanted to give an executive summary update on um, our system-wide demonstration of standard compliance and all the work that we've done today. Uh, just a remind, we've been having conversations with operational leaders and reminding everybody that the compliance is shared across departments, impacts the entire organization, that the actions of all contribute to our compliance. And so we've had some discussion around metrics that have considered that have, con that have consistently achieved goal moving to sustainability, but those that have lagged behind are in that rapid performance improvement works uh, corrective action. And we've had a good, um, I would say very good response to the folks that we've been working with on trying to help them uh, achieve that standard compliance. A total of the metrics that have had, uh, that have turned to sustainability have been 95 and 32. Um, are in that RPIW, but actually showing improvement and doing well. Got it. Wanted to uh, share with the group is that the monitoring continues. Um, it seems funny to say that because we are, we are obviously still continuing, and now we know that there will be an end in sight very soon. Um, but we still continue to do the active monitoring, incorporating that into our active daily monitor uh, management by operations, and to just kind of build that bench strength. We've been um, working. Um, particularly with folks that are in those high-risk areas doing all that we can to shore up their work um, those would be the emergency departments the icu the critical care procedural areas endoscopy cath lab gi sterile processing department and operating room and those are the areas where it's essential that we demonstrate um, that we have successful achievement of standard compliance and that we have that continuous work because uh, those are those high-risk areas and then uh, we've had some opportunity to look at some lapses, um, some in, in performance, and really help underscore the need for greater vigilance to ensure compliance. Got it. And then in your packet, you have a breakdown. I won't go into it of the standards that are working on their RPIW, and that's for you to read. And at this point, I think I can stop and ask questions. Um, answer any questions that you have at this point, but after survey, we do have a very uh, detailed uh, sustainability uh, plan for the entire organization. And I can always talk about that after they come and go. Um, trustees, what questions do you have for Nilda, for Ms. Perez? I think you did a great job of preempting my question. The importance is, is we're not just going through an exercise of compliance. We're obviously doing that, but we're also wanting to make this exercise lasting and, and about cultural quality shift, right? 
Correct. The return I've said to leaders very pointedly, and I actually got a wonderful, um, I got really good feedback with the last conversation that I had with those folks who were in sustainability. And while I congratulated them on their achievement, I said, all the heavy lifting that you've done to date, we do not want you to have to redo this work. So everything that, think, consider everything that we do towards sustainability and investment on your efficiency and your effectiveness, and ultimately the quality of care to our patients. Good. Trustee Hernandez. Yeah, um, question for you on um, what is in our packet, a page that has the live session topics. I believe in the original document, it was page five out of five. Um, I'm just trying to understand that particular list of webinars. Am I to understand that um, these are webinars that are available for our staff to attend? Um, and if so, um, do we require uh, specific staff to attend those? And do we take role? Do we, you know, validate that people have attended? So I will, um, in terms of role and validation of attendance, well, unfortunately, we do not have the ability to like pull a report from that webinar series. We do ask have people to they do register in order to get continuing education units, uh -huh. and that would be the trail. Um, but I will defer to Dr. Hus uh, Dr. Hussein on what the communication has been around um, uh, expectations for attendance with the leadership. Yeah, sure. So, so Trustee Hendon, this actually um, this originated as a corrective action from our original Joint Commission finding, uh, where as part of our evidence finder, actually, we did um, request um, uh, dyad leaders and chairs to submit a copy of completion of all the areas in which we had condition level findings. So those included patient rights, uh, environment of care, infection prevention. Um, and so we do have documentation of that. Um, uh, we are actually, uh, we just had a conversation at ELT where um, we were talking about at the same time that we wanna get ready for the resurvey for these findings in February, we wanna transition to our, uh, uh, the next phase. So I, I am very optimistic we'll have a great resurvey but shortly thereafter, three to six months after that, Joint Commission will come back and do a full revalidation. Okay. So we were balancing uh, getting everyone ready for the resurvey um, while getting ready for the longer term uh, validation as well. So um, what I'm trying to say is now our focus has shifted. Let's get, and, and what Nilda hasn't shared with you is that there's a series of uh, steps that will um, be taken between now and when Joint Commission comes back to resurvey. Um, to get that resurvey really nailed, and what I call it, just brushing up for the test, you know, those flashcards we do last minute. Um, so that will happen between now and when Joint Commission comes, and hopefully we will have a good, a successful survey, and then we'll go back to the broader sort of sustainability plan, which will include um, um, some um, requirements around these, um, around these uh Sessions. I can tell you that I know, for example, Dr. Ng has already questioned me about provision of care chapter because she's listened to it. And I know that Felicia and Janet have started looking at it. So that's just very good content. Um, and um, what I have found really good about the content is it one, um, helps uh, us understand what are the surveyors looking for. And two, uh, that some of the things that we're facing are actually being experienced by other organizations. Um, I was actually going back to Dr. Bouquet's point um, about RFOs, but I learned um, because this data isn't publicly available, they share it only in these sessions. 
that only 2% of Sentinel events that, um, that uh, happen in the nation are likely reported the Joint Commission. And the two top uh, Sentinel events are RFOs and suicides. So that was, it's information like that that both uh, grounds us in the work that we need to do as a nation, but contextualizes um, us, our work here. So um, that's a long answer to your question, but I want you to understand sort of like what has been done and what our vision is uh, moving forward. Yeah, and, and my um, question is based on uh, what I hope is in existence, and it would be in essence, I'm going to assume that for every position that we have within our system, that there is a learning path that um, is required of each person by by role. And if not that, at least obviously, you know, um, certifications and so on that obviously people need to have. But I hope we understand, I, this is my bias, um, I, I, don't, I don't think we can deliver quality of care without education. I don't think we can deliver, you know, safe, a safe patient experience without understanding the latest and best best practices, right? Or promising practices. And if they're providing that kind of training, um, uh, you know, can we just take advantage of that and make sure that people who need this in their learning path are aware and can take these courses? Um, I, I get concerned if if we just, you know, have missed opportunities like that. So. I'm glad that we're taking this on and that it's available. And I just hope all the people that should be taking it are taking it. Um, thank you, Trustee Hernandez. Um, so question to the experts in the room on the quality. So uh, at one of the last meetings, uh, sorry, at, at the last one, there, there was a leadership breakout and there was this, given that governing body was one of the condition level findings, do you anticipate there'll be a call for trustees? Just right. The trustees didn't know about it until sort of it felt hurried and rushed last time. So just anticipating what's our mechanism to contact whomever. So Tim, do you, will there be a leadership meeting for trustees required to be there? We will ask those detailed questions with them um, this coming week. Um, doing that, they do due to the pandemic, they have gone to a smaller kind of. A, hybrid virtual on-site model. So they may um, ask to interviews only specific people based on the evidence that we show them as we review the documents in our evidence finders. They yeah. may ask, I wanna be, I wanna interview uh, this particular person. Perhaps they wanna speak with um, the, the chief medical officer or the medical director of the ICU, medical director of surger, surgery. They may wish to ask for specific objective governance committee members. Um, so we'll ask those questions. We will get an agenda posted. Um, we'll get a sample agenda after we have this phone call. So we'll have a little bit um, detail about if there's any sessions where they actually want in person. The majority of sessions of, of visits that they have been able to accomplish since the pandemic started have been in a, a very small in-person room where they have webcam and Zoom, and then they ask people to participate that way. So they'll perhaps do a number, a series of um, interviews or Q&A sessions via Zoom. That would be great, Nelda, just to, to get some clarity on that. That way we could yeah. have a quote, trustee on call, uh, should yes. they need to be, uh, that would be important. The show support is very important and extremely appreciated. Thank you. Of course. 
Um, trustees, any other questions? Um, actually, uh, actually, let me ask my question before I ask Cody. So, uh, Nilda and Tanvir, will you review for us the five condition level uh, findings that they what what they were, and just sort of like a go no go. You feel like we're 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 good to go on, on each of those items, or or challenges that you might anticipate. Okay, um, so we had condition level findings in surgical services. I I would feel pretty. I would feel confident regarding the improvements that we've made in the leadership. Um, definitely, I, I feel tremendous work has been done. One was surgical services. One was patient rights. I similarly feel confident that we have things in place. A little bit of queuing for frontline staff the, uh, on some of the answers to the questions that might be posed, but I feel confident there. Um, the other area was infection control. I would say that I feel good confident in a number of those findings and metrics have moved into sustainability phase. So I feel good there. Um, we also had, let's see, that's three. We also had um, the finding around governance. Um, I feel confident there that I think our governance binder, we reviewed it today um, with some of uh, some of the topics, Dr. Hussein and myself and my team, and feel very good about the evidence that we have on hand to demonstrate uh, a good a good collaboration across the leadership team. And then the last one is environment of care. And that is one where I feel also similarly confident that we can show well. I think it's going to take more than just the facilities team and a reminder and a lot of collaboration and communication between facilities and operations. That's the one that's kind of on the bubble that is the largest group. And that's the one where it could go either way. <laughs> but I, I feel good in terms of support and communication and collaboration to be effective in that area. Thank you, Nilda. Dr. Hussein, comment? Uh, um, double check with me here, Nilda, but I think surgical services was another condition of participation, but it's really a marriage of the infection control and environment of care within the surgical space. Um, yes, and then I, I would just say that, that, oh, sorry, I missed it. Thank oh, you, um, Nilda. And then in terms of, um, uh, in terms of what uh, Nilda was mentioning um, about uh, like the day of, um, um, I feel good about a couple of things. One is I, I firmly and feel and have seen this, and I think anyone on, on Zoom can testify to this, that there are daily audits occurring so that if there are lapses, they're being caught in a trust. Um, but in the dashboard that we're getting, the teams are identifying that as a gap, um, even though they're correcting them in real time. So I just want to say I feel good about that, that in real time there are these checks occurring for the plan of correction items that are getting addressed. And then two, um, uh, everyone has been practicing across the organization uh, for the last many months, uh, this, the day of survey sweep list. So it's, an, it's about 90 items. Um, we've had four months of training the trainer model, and I, I feel very good that our frontline leaders are comfortable with using that day of survey sweep list um, to make sure um, the I's are dotted and the T's um, are crossed, and that includes COVID um, items as well. Um, so I think the combination of the work that's been done plus uh, the day of uh, survey preparation um, will get us to the finish line. Okay. So we're going to negotiate this uh, uh, reaccreditation, this, this survey. Yes. Okay. That's just what I want to hear. Um, uh, with that, well, thank you, Nelda, for that great report. Miss uh, Graywall, how are you? Wonderful. Thank you. Thank so you. So we'll hear um, from our director of patient safety, Darshan Graywall. 
Yes, thank you so much. And I appreciate the extra time uh, for Nova and I to share some of the organization-wide uh, initiatives and focus areas. Um, as Nelda has expressed and Dr. Hussein have expressed, it's really imperative that, uh, of course, we have quality of care and uh, regulatory compliance. Those are, you know, um, main pillars. But often behind a lot of uh, those, um, uh, the outcome, uh, we also have to look at what our culture of safety and just culture uh, data is, is showing. And um, my focus for this upcoming year, because we have now seen a shift in the number of sentinel events, number of harm events that are happening across the organization, which is, is a true blessing, but to spend this time now to shift to see some of the other underlying things that actually drive um, those types of metrics. Uh, so I had the uh, privilege of presenting to the executive leadership committee about a month ago and proposing um, two main components that I would like to uh, bring to the organization in the upcoming months and year. Um, one of those being focusing more on the culture of safety. And uh, we talk about data. I know that we, we had a conversation that sometimes the numbers don't tell us the whole complete story. So with our culture of survey, culture of safety survey, that's more than just numbers. We actually go out and have dialogue with frontline staff, physicians, leaders. What is this data telling us? Where are the gaps? Why are we having these outcomes? So we had a lot of great um, uh, debriefings and dialogues from last year. We are gonna be having our culture of safety survey again in February. We had to postpone it this year because of COVID, but I think it's a fantastic opportunity for us to keep the momentum and actually also look at those underlying causes that had resulted in, in some of the outcomes that we saw during the Joint Commission or prior to the Joint Commission. So all of these things go hand in hand. Once we start correcting a lot of the other things, then we can sustain regulatory compliance. We can sustain quality of care. Another area that I'm really focusing on is also just culture, which goes hand in hand with a culture of safety. When we have a just culture, it does not just put the onus and accountability on the individual, but it also puts that same accountability for the organization. Um, when, when I conduct RCAs, I'm looking at systemic issues, issues that the environment or the processes have caused the failure, failure whether it's for that individual or failure for the system as a whole. So when you look at a just culture, that's gonna be examining that at that level to make sure that we as an organization, the leaders in this on this call recognize when we are accountable and we have to put interventions in place so that our employees can practice safely and deliver high quality care. So for this year, um, uh, I was very, very grateful to the ELT um, to be very engaged in my uh, presentation, but my focus is, is going to be about being more proactive, putting better uh, culture, better uh, safety mechanisms in place 
so that we will not ever be at a place that we were two years ago or one year ago. Um, because we built a lot of momentum um, with between the work that uh, Nilda's team has led uh, by correcting you know, 180 findings and putting a sustainability plan, but also looking at all the root cause analysis and the things that we found in addition to the work that we've, we've already completed with Joint Commission. So again, we've, we've come a long way, but there is a lot more work to do, but I think we have the right mix of um, enthusiasm, the motivation, we've got so much data to support the work that we have to do that we just have to um, move forward and, and just do it. Got it, thank you. More from your report? Um, I do have a, I do have a um, patient safety plan as the last slide and that sort of illustrates some of the items that I would like to focus and again, it talks about implementing a just culture policy um, in the latter part of this year. And then really um, promoting the culture of safety survey from the leadership. Um, we really want to model what a uh, culture of safety looks like. And I would ask for a partnership from the leaders in, uh, on this call to really model it, promote it so that we can really get to the root of some of our are issues that have been um, really ingrained and embedded in our culture to try to remove those and resolve those. Darshan, as always, I appreciate the report. I'm uh, unfortunately missing one of my favorite parts, which is actually the trend line by risk category. That I think that one kind of fell out, I think. Um, if you look on the first slide, um, Dr. Bouquet, we um, are, are E or greater, our harm events were actually lower than the last report that I gave. I think it was at 2.4. So again, we're continuing to go in the right direction, but now I think we need to focus our energies on what we already know and have learned and apply that now to make it even better. So, it. yeah. So uh, uh, I guess what I'm reporting and re uh, requesting is for, for a couple months, we had E for the last three months, F for the last three months, G, H, I, uh, and that okay. that was kind of a nice report. If we can if we can reinstitute that one in. Okay, I um, actually I put a little I put a little note in there, but I can definitely bring that in. I think we had six events that last month that fell E or greater, of which five were G, e, and one was an H, and that was the um, the event um, where the uh, following the intubation that Dr. Mark had had uh, discussed today, uh, that it would be a life-sustaining intervention, uh, but luckily the patient recovered. So Got in the whole month, we had basically one event, but uh, again, it, by miracle, I think, the patient did survive and we, we learned a lot from that event. Probably not by miracle, by intervention, but, 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 but I, well, I, I hear uh, I, it was just it was luck is not a strategy um yeah. so so <laughs> but but it, uh, but we'll take it when it comes mm -hmm. so if you don't mind please because i think that i i think my fellow trustees appreciate we love not seeing any h's you know for three months or six months or things like that and that it it, it can provide some reassurance in that regard um back to your um culture of safety and just culture we appreciate that I'm so happy uh, that the ELT invited that to have 
I'd request that that you can, uh, if you at, at a subsequent visit can tell us, give give the trustees kind of a lay of the land in anticipation of next February's report, so we can understand. Uh, I, I guess we can't call it current state because that that culture. How old was that? That that it was a 2019, right? The the culture. Yes, it was 2019. Correct. Okay. So, so maybe a parallel of whatever report you gave to ELT might be nice for us. If you could, do, you think that's hopefully you can dust off the same slides that you gave to ELT and give Absolutely. that to us next month. I Absolutely. think that would be great. Um, trustees, any questions of Darshan? Nothing. Um, Darshan, I didn't ask this one of Nilda because she would, she, she sort of gave us a, but you know my my normal questions. Can you sort of rank list your your issues of concern for me? Um, concern. Okay. Uh, well, like I like I just mentioned, I I feel really optimistic now. So yeah. um, I think if we continue to move forward and we can actually uh, create and implement. Uh, just culture policy in this year. That's one of my concerns, and I really, I, I really want to move that forward with the support of this committee and and all of our leadership. Um, so, just culture, culture safety is. Uh, I'm going to call that number one. And do you have a number two? You don't have to. Sometimes it's the list is just one. Well, just culture is totally separate. Then culture of safety will be totally a separate separate arena. Um, so okay, so so how are you ranking those? Just culture is number one. Got it. Culture of safety number two. Great. And um, may I stay healthy so I can move this work forward number three. I mean, okay. I think I think it's a it's a big goal, and and I'm I'm uh, very passionate about it. But I I just really hope um, that everybody on the board, everybody stays well and health, healthy and we can just move forward because there is a lot of work to do to move move in the right direction. Um, uh, so that is my, you know, every day is a gift. Great. So so thank you for giving us uh, your, 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 your primary issues of focus, just culture and safety. I'll report I'm happy to see consistency because that's what you said last month as well. And then and then my in the month before my my question to you is do you feel resourced to navigate those those issue areas of concern or or focus. Um, yes, yes, I do. I, I do have the resources. Okay, okay, great. Uh, trustees, any further comment as we come to the close of item F? None. I'm really positive. It's really really encouraging to see the trend line go the way it's going. Thank you. Trend lines are good. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing the hard work that's been going on. So thank you for all of the extra effort to write the ship up. Agreed. Let's let's continue to watch it. Two data points is not a trend though, right? So let's uh, let's keep let's create that trend line. Um, so with that, we will close out item F. Thank you for that report. And we will go to item G. Uh, this is our True North Metric dashboard. Um, Annette Johnson's here, and I'm happy that I I I think I shortchanged Annette more than anybody. So I'm going to give her 10 minutes here to walk us through. Hi, Annette. You're 
Annette, you're you're on twice. There's the video feed, and then there's a telephone feed, which looks like it has a mute on it. Ah, uh, technology. <laughs> Tanvir, do you mind at least getting us kicked off? And let's, uh, hopefully, Annette's tech can oh, come okay. back up. So, so she yes, I think Annette said that she was going to try to, uh, she tried calling in once. So um, I'm going to do an inadequate job compared to Annette, but I will do my best here. Oh, no, it sounds like I'm echoing. No, you're good. Oh, okay. So, um, hmm. uh, I'll direct the, okay. the trustees to page 348 of the packet. That basically is the summary that has the dashboard. Very good, excellent. Thank you, Dr. Bouquet. So, um, so this is our first time reporting out fiscal um, 21 True North metrics. Uh, so, just to remind you of the changes that we made since fiscal 20 uh, for access under ambulatory, we introduced that new metric of um, adolescents' access to primary care. Um, this is measured um, uh, uh, primarily by making sure that. Um, Patients between the age of 12 and 19 um, uh, have had a visit in the last two years. Um, and the reason that Ambulatory picked this metric is although um, we are moving towards more um, uh, televisits, uh, there are critical immunizations and other care that need to be received. Um, so as you can see, the performance there is um, as it should be. We didn't set a target um, that uh, was immediately achievable. It looks a little lower than um, uh, the baseline, which is 53.11. However, I believe this is a rolling average, um, and hence um, it's going to take some time to see that gradually improve. Um, then moving on to uh, O2, sorry, the other uh, major change um, on the dashboard is around um, uh, safety alerts, the percent of events that are E or greater, which um, Darshan had already. Um, uh, reference. And the third change here was um, under CGCAS or ambulatory patient experience, a movement from uh, rate the provider to rate uh, the practice or recommend the practice. Um, and this is a metric um, that ambulatory felt was a greater representation of care delivery in general, but also a metric that's both on the telephone survey as well as uh, the televisit survey, as well as the in clinic uh, visit survey. And that just uh, let me know if you're on. Oh, yeah. can ask, oh, let's, let's, let's give let's see if Annette's working. Hi, Annette. Uh, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, good job. Annette, is it possible okay. for, for you to take the screen and give us the dashboard? No, my computer Zoom keeps freezing, which is the reason I'm having trouble. I apologize. Tanvir, is it possible for you to give us the screen? I will do that. Yeah, sure. Just the dashboard as Annette talks us through it, if you don't mind. <laughs> we are an agile team, the quality department. Look, as look we at that. pinch it for each other. We, <laughs> that's how we function. I'm so sorry. No, it's cool. Go for it. We have about <laughs> nine or 10 minutes, if that's okay. Okay. So I'm going to assume that adolescent child uh, primary care access is covered and move yeah. on. The next metric. Okay, perfect. 
Wonderful. Um, for observed to expected length of stay, we are at target. And um, if you've been, this is a metric that continues from the previous fiscal year. So if you've been following along, we have slowly been uh, working our way to achieving target. And this is the first month that we have managed to do so. So um, uh, congratulations to the team. I think a lot of this has to do with a lot of hard work coming out of case management, as well as some very uh, attentive attention to throughput during the COVID pandemic. So um, it's very promising. You know, we have been able to do some benchmarking with length of stay and um, sort of looking at similar hospitals to AHS, the national benchmark for um, community hospitals uh, like AHS is 1.10. So I'm excited to see us um, in line with that benchmark. Um, Annette, quick so, question, and I apologize mm -hmm. for interrupting you. Is this O to E, this observed to expected, is it summary for the system or is it just for Highland? How do you account for San Leandro's and Alameda in this, in this, uh, in this measure? This is a summary for the system. And it's a um, summary for the system. Got it. Mm -hmm. And, and I work what with Sheila and we do track each individual campus as well. And all three of the campuses are at their target for the year. For as well. My, my so, request is that uh, your next write-up is you break it out by hospital in not not on this big dashboard, but in your narrative like you did for median time. Perfect. No problem. I'd love to. Just so we can <laughs> see if there's variance between the hospitals. So, but obviously, you, the, I think I, my my suggestion is this is a perfect place for the summary number. Okay. Great. I will do so. Um. For median time for decision to admit to inpatient bed, um, we are just a tiny bit um, above target for the year. Um, we have a very ambitious goal this year. We're actually aiming to be um, a little bit below the California state average. And if you had asked me three years ago that we would even be in a position to consider being below the California state average, um, I would say no. So I'm very excited about what I've seen happen over the last fiscal year. and. And, and very excited to see continued improvement um, in this arena. Um, and so you can see the breakdown of the target and our performance over the first two years, two months of the fiscal year, and our year-to-date scoring. This is measured in a median. Any and questions? then on this question, sorry, I, you know I love data. Mm -hmm. So under current performances, it is August 2020, and it's so, so is that three hours and seven minutes? for August 2020 yes. alone, or is that today? That is for that is the median time for August for the system. Okay. And and mm -hmm. are the hospital are the hospitals weighted equally in that assessment? I take results for all of the hospitals so that's their actual rate. So yeah. based on volume, Highland would probably weigh more heavily in it. We'll okay. skew the median up a bit higher. But okay, it is, that, I'm not um, doing a weighted average by any means. Okay, <laughs> be, because I was just looking at the data because for August, it, uh, uh, admit to bed was one hour and 39 minutes for Alameda Hospital, four hours and 24 minutes for Highland, and one hour and 49 minutes for San Leandro, correct? Mm -hmm. I, yeah, and I looked at that and I think it has a lot to do with, we're talking about median. So I believe when you put them all together, um, we probably have some pretty high variability, particularly at, at Highland. So yeah. that's why we're seeing that sort of shift. Mm -hmm. I, 
I guess what I was doing, and remember, I'm, I'm an amateur mathematician. Um, uh, uh, when I look at an hour and 39 minutes, four hours and 24 minutes, an hour and 49 minutes, to me, that comes out as uh, an average of 157.3 minutes, which is actually two hours and 37 minutes. So I'm wondering if the number is actually better than reported. Someone can check my, you can check, your team can check my math later. Um, but but if, that's why I was asking if it was a weighted average. So well, I'm trying to I'm, help. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, it, it actually <laughs> might, I'm wondering if it's actually better than, than it is as reported. So we're blending means and averages, or medians and averages. So um, yeah. I imagine that it's, yeah. And then Highland has so much more volume. So if I'm taking literally every case at an equal weight, um, so while Alameda and San Leandro may be lower, there are just far more Highland cases. So it's going to push that up a little bit, push that median up more. Got it. Um, we can, I can always run an, an average and a median if you're interested. So we can sort of measure the variability in the population. Love averages, medians, and standard deviations. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, 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 but not for, uh, you know, that's the nerd in me. So this, this, this dashboard is perfectly great for everybody else. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, for uh, avoidable days, um, I know that uh, if you've been following along, this is another metric that has continued from the previous fiscal year. And if you were looking at our numbers from the previous fiscal year, we'll notice that there's a large jump in the actual um, um, average avoidable days per month. And I think this actually has to do with better data capture rather than a true change in performance given um, our performance on our ODE length of stay and um, the feedback that I'm getting from the case management team. They've really refocused on consistently documenting avoidable days. They've really worked on training their staff to recognize um, the causes and categorizations of avoidable days to really capture this data. Um, and they also, um, they also had some sort of staff absences at the end of last year or the end of last fiscal year due to COVID leaves. So it made it a little bit difficult for them to collect this data. So I think they've really doubled down um, and are really committed to capturing this data. So I think that's why we're seeing this increase um, in July and August. Big number. Um, sorry, I'll just jump in here and just say one thing from a um, statistical uh, process control perspective. Um, if we continue continue to see that the change in performance is related to data capture, we may need to do some uh, stabilization, stability analysis, and reset the baseline. But we'll we'll, we'll talk about that offline, seeking out um, and joining you in that seeking out. But uh, we'll talk about that offline if we need to make that adjustment and come back with a proposal to you. No, I was going to ask because we're. We're not even in the ballpark. Mm -hmm. So we'll continue yep. to um, uh, iterate, but uh, this is part of the vulnerability integrity journey where we talk about what we're learning as we're doing it, be transparent about it and improve together. Mm -hmm. If leadership could on this one also help the trustees understand uh, and quantify the cost of these avoidable days. We've heard the numbers related to the lower numbers. Mm -hmm. Now, if we have higher numbers because we're collecting better data, we need to redo the calculation. How much? Is so, Lewis, if we're calculating at about three thousand dollars per day, which I think was a number we were using out, three thousand times eleven thirty-five is three point four zero five million per month. 
at, for, for that August. If Again, uh, uh, I think the data integrity question is a good one, but still we have to right size somewhere, right? <laughs> it's a lot of days. Annette, apologies, we got about three minutes to keep us back on time. Okay. Sorry for, I'm stuck there. Is that quick? Million, then? If we got three million a year, a month, then we're at, uh, if my math is right, 36 million annual? If, if, if it was annualized, and again, presuming that the 3,000 number is a true number, and that, yeah, yeah I was going to speak to that. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a true ish number. It's a, it's a generic rate yeah. for a room. Uh, it is not uh, necessarily, certainly not what we get billed or reimbursed uh, for the room uh, from any payer. Um, so, so that is, you know, there's, there's a, uh, definitely a deflation from that number that would be more in, in order, probably taking that number and applying it to a payer mix and actually then across where they are too uh, also impacts it. But uh, yeah, so. You just keep watching it. Yeah. Uh, Annette, okay. go for it. All right. So for quit, I see that you were not at Target, but I want to put a caveat on that in that we are still negotiating with the state of California for Target resets due to COVID. If their current proposal goes through, you're actually very well positioned to receive at least 90% of our equipped dollars for the um, what we call the PY uh, 3.5 uh, year. This is the bridge year where we transition from uh, fiscal year to calendar year. Um, so hope, uh, I, very, I feel very strongly that that proposal will go through. It's, current, it's gone from DHS to CMS for final approval and hopefully we'll hear back very soon. And then um, we are on track on the goal for our hospital acquired infections. Um, we did have a small uh, spike in uh, hospital acquired harms, but we're very early on in the year. We actually had um, three harms, um, two of which occurred to the same patient. One was sort of causal to the other. We had a post-op um, PE that led to respiratory um, arrest. Both cases have been reviewed for opportunities within peer review, um, post-operative PE prophylaxis was appropriate um, for the case. And then in the second case, um, we had a patient who developed a pressure ulcer. Um, they, we did, in fact, put a pressure ulcer reduction strategies in place. And I think really the learning opportunity here is making sure that we consistently document um, the staging um, of wounds and the, um, our pressure of using ex ex exercises and then make sure that we do early communication between physicians and wound care nurses regarding patients who are who have a pressure ulcer or have the potential to develop one. Um, and I think Dorshan has already sort of talked about safety alerts E and above, and we do not have patient experience data for this fiscal year yet, and that is because we're very excited to announce that we have transitioned to mail-based surveying for all of our patient experience. Um, so it takes a little bit longer to get mail surveys back. It's about a 90-day delay, so I'll have data beginning next month, but there are some tremendous benefits to this switch. It gives us greater flexibility in customizing our survey questions, and it also opens us up to the potential to implement text and email surveying, which will allow us to increase our sample size without increasing the cost. So we're excited about that change. Thank you and very much. Thank you for your report. Uh, with that, we'll close out item G.
Item H is planning calendar. So I uh, know now that uh, I'm going to be reamending. I'll be amending the calendar. We're not doing SBU reports anymore um, uh, for the time being. We'll reassess that at the end of quarter one for the calendar year. Um, I previously put down a health and equity uh, committee uh, report, uh, but also I'm actually going to talk with Trustee Hernandez about that because some of that work is coming into the full board, and um, I'm going to hold off on that. So. My proposal for next month for October is to have uh, Darshan come back and give us that report that she uh, to 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 bring the uh, QPSC up to speed on just culture and the report maybe that uh, she can dust off that she gave to the ELT. And with that, I'll close out item H, and we'll end them with item I, uh, general counsel report. Mike? Yeah, the uh, the committee met in closed session and considered the credentialing reports of medical staffs and approved them and took no other action. Thank you. With that, we'll close item I, five o'clock, right on time. Uh, we will now, we'll close the meeting.